we are going to wrap up a series today that we've really, I think it's been eight or ten, I didn't really count them, uh, ten different messages that have really focused on the attributes of God. And we've taken these, the time to understand uh, who God is, kind of fill in the blank each week. God is a person. God is good. God is holy. God is righteous. Uh, God is sovereign. He's grace. He's omnipotent. And uh, all these things we've been doing. And we know that what, the way that we fill in the blank, it really makes a big difference in our lives. If we understand that God is mean or angry or he's disappointed with us, how many know and realize that that would affect the way that we live? Well, the same is true if we believe that God is holy, that he's mercy and justice, if he's sovereign, if he is grace, and we embrace that fully according to what God's word says, it has the ability to change and to transform our lives. We cannot underestimate the importance of what we've been studying. And I know that in some ways we've covered a lot of material. In other ways, we've really just scratched the surface and it's somewhat incomplete. But for me, as I've been reflecting this week and just kind of mourning the, the idea that, oh man, we're going to be done and then next, week, next month we'll start a new series, I, I've been saying, Lord, thank you for the way you've transformed me over the summer and then into the fall here. I am more in love with Jesus today than I was at the beginning because I've understood who God is in a fuller and a more complete way. And I believe, as I've watched many of you, that you have grown as well. It's our personal journeys, but then it's our collective journeys together. I can honestly stand here today and say I'm more excited about preaching the gospel, the good news, than I've ever been in the history of my uh, short life. And uh, I'm excited about that. And I've seen those two goals that we've talked about throughout the series come to life for me. We've said the first thing is we want to leave, during this series, we want to leave thinking more about God. That when you leave here, you're going to talk about what we've talked about on Sundays around the water cooler at work. We're going to talk around our family dinner tables, talking about the attributes of God. That God is holy, God is just, God is all these things. And then the second thing is we've said that, boy, out of response to that, that we desire more of Jesus. How many of you desire more of Jesus this morning? I know you do, and we're excited about that. And what's interesting is as we wrap up today, every attribute that we've studied, the eight or nine or 10 or 11 of those, however many it is, they have built a foundation to discuss the last attribute of this series, that God is love. God is love. We see God's love within all of the other attributes. God's love has no limits God's love is eternal. God's love is all-powerful. It's, it's ever-present. It's unchanging. God's love is pure and holy. God's love is sovereign, meaning it's above all else. A.W. Tozer says this, and that we can put it on the screen, that the love of God is, the one, is one of the greatest realities of the universe, a pillar upon which the hope of the world rests. And I believe that. That truth sinks deep down in my heart. 
The love of God is not distant or ambiguous or unreachable. God's love is personal. It's intimate. There's no beginning, no end. It's interesting when you think about God's love. I don't believe that God just loves the population. I believe that he loves people individually. He doesn't love the masses only. He loves men and women, boys and girls, uh, young and old. And even though we cannot calculate or quantify infinite love, that's an impossibility to understand completely the love of God. I want to challenge you this morning, and in our, uh, as we finish this series, that you can meet love. You can meet Jesus, because Jesus is the personification of perfect love. And God, he wants to meet you. The reality is that God's love explains the reason why we exist. You ever wondered why in the world are we here, right? It's because of God's love. God, he is self-contained. We understand that. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. What he wants, he wants us. And he still wants you. He wants me. God's love answers the why in creation. And we're going to look at it. And what's interesting is when you think about love and you try to define it, how many would agree that love would be easy to define if we could just define it any way we wanted to, however we felt, right? I think we all have our own definition of love, what love is to us. And certainly there's none of us that are exempt from the world's perspective of love. It's very pervasive. The world works hard at telling us what love is, directly and indirectly. You can get online and uh, you can listen to songs and watch shows and movies. You can read articles that will all tell you what love is from a worldly perspective. But anything that the culture uses to explain what love is, how many would know it's incomplete? It is. It misses the mark or just plain is simply wrong. Many things in this world, when it talks about love, just does not line up with what Scripture says is love. The world would say that the love is easy or it's free or it's all about passion or it's all about the physical or it's all about the giving of gifts. But you know what God's Word says? Turn with me there to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Listen to what God's Word says. It says that God demonstrated His own love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does love look like? Christ died for us. It takes our idea of love and it makes it not so simple. How many would agree? It, it ups the ante. Christ died for us. In John 14, 15, and later in John, it says, if you love me, this is Jesus talking about, it says, you will obey what I command. And so we put those verses together and we're saying, man, love is not necessarily what I think, but really we need to look at what God's word says. And I believe that love is more important. It's less fluffy. It's far more involved than we may think on first blush. And I want to turn and spend some time in 1 John chapter 4. 
First John, if you read the book in its entirety, the five short chapters, there are 36 times in, that, in those five chapters that, that John describes what love is. But there are 21 times in chapter 4, and we want to pick that up in First John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. And I'm going to take some time to read this, and I'm going to kind of read it slow. I want it to sink in. You can follow along or you can grab Bibles in the back. And I just believe that God's Word speaks for itself sometimes. Amen? So let's listen to what John was saying to the church, the early church. Verse 7 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another. Let us love one another. Turn, Turn your neighbor and say, Help us love one another. Help me love you better, right? For love comes from God. Everything or everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 13, we know that we live and in him and he is in us because, the, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that, God, that Jesus is a son of God, God lives in him and he is in God. Verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. And then it says, what we're, our verses or what our uh, sermon title is for this morning, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us and that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Amen? Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. If anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. A couple more verses. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. This is the love of for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. I'm going to pause here for a moment. Lord, I thank you for the power of your word. Lord, in many, many circumstances in scripture, you describe what love is, who you are. 
And God, I pray for revelation knowledge to be transferred this morning. That you would capture our hearts and not only capture our hearts and our, and our minds, but then you would, you would challenge us to be changed, to see love worked out in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just uh, resonate here for your glory, for your honor. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's really three things I want to kind of capitalize on this morning about love. And once we get to the third one, you'll know that we're getting close to the end of the message, all right? (laughs) The first is this, that love is a choice. We see that in 1 John that we just read. What's interesting, you may have heard, oh, I've fallen in love with so-and-so. Or I've either fallen in love or you fall out of love. Well, I believe that it is a myth that you could fall in love or fall out of love. I believe the truth is that if you stop feeling it, if you say, oh, I once was, I, I really felt in, in love, or I really, really had all this emotion, I, if you stop feeling it, you have stopped choosing to love the person or the object that you had affection for. The truth is, is that God commands us to love. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, we won't take time to read it. It's the greatest commandment, to love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. God tells us to choose to love. He says it's our responsibility to love and to obey. I don't believe that we can say, ah, I just don't love my spouse anymore, or I don't love what I do anymore. No, it's a choice. The Bible commands us to love. Titus chapter 2, verse 4, the older women are to teach younger women to love their husbands and their children. Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 says that husbands are to love their wives. It's a choice to do that. You say, yeah, but I just don't feel it. The spark has faded. The passion has fizzled. My expectations are not being met. Or he's not the same man that I, used, that I married. There's a lot of things in this world, church, that we do even if we don't feel like doing them. And love is one of those. You say, well, what kind of things? Well, how many feel like paying bills every month or every week doing your finances. Those of you that have little kids, do you feel like changing your baby's diapers or cleaning up vomit after your kids puke this this summer? We were camping, my son and my daughter, and we were in a little three-person tent that really is a two-person tent, and we're squeezed in there, and I, you know, Jessica wasn't there, and so I let Logan eat whatever he really wanted all that night, and he ate like a half a bag of licorice. Oh, yeah. And he wakes up, and he says, I'm not feeling so good. And I said, Logan, are you going to puke? And I said, if you're going to puke, get out of the tent. And I unzip it, and by the time I unzip it, he scoots forward about an inch, and all over He's puking in and outside of the tent. And what do you do as a dad? Oh, you spank him hard. That's right. 
You tell them your love has just diminished. No. I got my leather gloves from the fire pit and I scooped it all up and I cleaned it up. How many know there are a lot of things that we do that we don't feel like doing? And sometimes love is that way. Love is an action, not a feeling. If a man loves to play golf, how many golfers do we have? I know there's a few. A man will invest in it. His resources, his time, his money, his emotions will be wrapped up in the game of golf. And I see some of the wives saying, oh, you know it. (laughs) But you know what? If they lose that passion, they're going to spend less time. I used to love golf. I used to spend a lot of time playing golf in college. Um, I had to take a sports class in college in order to graduate. I don't know. I mean, that was the most expensive golf lesson I've ever had. Um, but, you know, you pay for it, and then you get to, an excuse to get out and golf. And I, I golfed a lot. And then first, when I was in ministry, I golfed a lot. I was passionate about it. My wife, actually, she, for my graduation, she bought me a set of pings, uh, ping iron. And I still have them. I mean, they're good. They're great irons. And uh, I just use them about once a, once a year when I play with the church. You know, it's like, ah, that's it. But, uh, but what's interesting is I lost my passion for it. When we had kids, the time, I just didn't give the time. My emotions kind of faded. Uh, I stopped spending money on it. And it shows in the result when I play golf once a year with some of the guys, uh, it shows because I lost my passion for that. Now, But guys that love it, they're into it. They think about it. It's like a woman who loves their home. They spend time and they put resources and money into it. They choose to invest into their home to make it the place that it is. The reality is that love is a choice. Love is a choice, and it's rooted in Scripture from God first. Romans 5, 8, we read it earlier. God chose us while we were still sinners. He sent his son to the cross, and we choose to love God and to love each other because of what God has done for us. That is a huge truth to try to get our minds around. It's a challenging thought that God, his plan for us is to embrace his love and then to give his love. Love is a choice, number one. Number two, love is unselfish. Love is unselfish. And I couldn't preach a message on love without going to the love chapter. Anybody know where that's found? 1 Corinthians 13. I know many of you know that. What's interesting about 1 Corinthians 13, as you read 1 Corinthians 13, the first eight verses, the the first three verses talk about the importance of love, and then the next five verses say what love is. I want you to read this, again, kind of slow and let it sink in. It's a little bit lengthy, but it'll only take a second here. And I actually want to start in chapter 12, The end of verse 31 says this, And now, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. He says, And now I will show you a most excellent way. He's saying, look, if you want to do it right, if you want to do it, if you want to hit it out of the park, this is how. He says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mystery and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, wow, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. And then he describes what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is not rude or self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. When I read that, and we put that into context uh, all together, love does not put ourselves first. Love thinks of others before ourselves. In fact, the nature of love is to give. The most memorable verse in all of the Bible, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave us the greatest gift. The greatest act, the most unselfish act, was Jesus on the cross. That's where, when we think about love being unselfish, it's rooted in what Christ did for you and for me. We also see in John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. When we understand what love is, it's a laying down of our lives. First for the Lord, then for others. Say, how in the world do you lay down your life for your neighbor, for your friends, for your family, for your spouse, for your kids? for your church, for the community. How do you do that? What would that look like? Church, you must die. You must give up your rights. And that's not a popular thing to say. But I don't believe you can be a Christian until you lay down your life saying, you know what? My life is not my own. That's what love is. It is unselfish. You may wonder, man, why are there so many divorces that happen even within the church? Broken relationships or families that are strained or just people that walk around unhappy. I believe that they've missed a piece of love that it is unselfish. It's not about each of us individually. You may ask the question, do I have to give up my rights to be happy? And I would say, yes, if you are a believer, you have to lay down your rights. But the promise is, is if you do give up your rights, if you think of others first in your life, you'll be more happy. 100 times or more, I believe it. I think about it in my own relationship with my wife. My wife's in the back there, uh, and she can attest to this, that when I focus more on her needs, our family is just more happy. It is just, things go more smooth. There's, our relationship is stronger. But when it becomes more about Ben, if Ben becomes more number one, let me just say, um, you can kind of imagine in your, in your own way, it's not so easy. <laughs> it's just the truth. 
when we can think of others in front of ourselves, when we can say love is unselfish and I'm going to be unselfish in my dealings, it makes all the difference. Love is unselfish. God was unselfish. He was the model. And we must put ourselves before others. So we said love is a choice. Love is unselfish. And the third is this, that love is unconditional. And I love this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 37 and 38 and 39, I want to look at this. Romans, turn with me there. It says this, now in all things, we are more, we are, no, I'm sorry. It says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor the powers, neither heights nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It kind of begs the question, well, how can nothing separate us? There can be nothing that can get between you and God and his love for you. How is that possible? It's only because God's love is unconditional. It's perfect. And love is not about performance, about my payment or my duty. Love is unconditional. How many know that conditional love can be very, very damaging in a relationship. If you're good enough, then I'll love you. If you do enough good works, then I'll love you. If you give enough gifts, then I'll love you. If you say the right things, or if you look the right way, then I will love you. If you're on the right side of the track, so to speak, then I can love you. But then, on all of those things, there's the big if... And then there comes the big but. But if it changes, then I won't love you? That I won't uh, give my affection? When I think about that, it is too much pressure. I don't believe that's the way God wants it. Our love needs to be more unconditional. God's love is unconditional, and our love is to be unconditional as well. Now that is not easy. That is hard. But what 1 Peter 4, 8 says, the way that we can do that, we can move in that direction. It says, above all, love each other deeply. That's the goal. Because love covers a multitude of sin. The way we can love each other unconditionally is by covering our sins. My life, the, as your pastor, I want you to know, is full of sin. A multitude of sin. I struggle just like any one of you would struggle. And I need to receive the love of God each and every day in my life. And I believe that we need to have a true revelation of what God's love is for us in our circumstances. And I've been able to embrace that in my life and it puts me on a good path. And it's from a revelation of who God is, his love, that I can learn to love. But if I was just left to myself, I would be a self-absorbed, fickle, unstable man that was unable 
to love. I wouldn't know how to do it unless God got a hold of my life. It's God who teaches me to love. And I believe God wants to teach you to love as well. And as I understand God's love more completely, He helps me to choose to love, to be more selfless, to be more unconditional, to give more grace and mercy in my life. And I believe that is the goal of every mature believer. It's interesting that as I was reading and just studying over the, this past series. I mentioned this book last week, and uh, Jesus Is by Judah Smith. And it's really not a book about the attributes of God, but there are some great things. And there was a section in here that kind of challenged me as I thought about how we could kind of wrap up this series. And I want to read just a few uh, excerpts from this. It says this, If Jesus could say just one thing to you right now, At the end of this series, at the end of the message here on God is love, if Jesus could say one thing, what would it be? And he says, Judas Smith says, In my experience, most people would expect correction or rebuke. We think that if Jesus had only one shot at fixing us, he'd make it count by pointing out where we were blowing it at our worst you got to stop losing your temper with your kids. Come on, try harder, work harder, buck up, be stronger, stop whining. You looked at porn again? What were you thinking? Get your life together or else, right? But if Jesus had one shot at fixing us, he continues. He says he would tell us how much he loves us. Isn't that a great thought? That's what he did with Zacchaeus. In Matthew, and the woman caught in adultery, and the countless other sinners. Jesus loves us right now, just as we are. His love for us is perfect. Thank the Lord. He isn't standing aloof, yelling us to climb up out of the pit and to clean ourselves up so we can be worthy of Him. He is wading in, waist deep, into the muck of life, weeping with the broken, rescuing the lost, and healing the sick. That's what love does. And I thought, man, what a picture in our lives. Jesus' love for us is so incredible. Now, that's not to minimize sin. We know that sin is bad. Absolutely, sin hurts. And and do you know what's interesting? Jesus sees our sin more clearly than anyone, yet he loves us more than anyone. How can that be? Because his love is perfect. When you break down John 3.16, there's kind of three parts. First, God loved the world, right? The whole thing, not just the good parts, not just the parts that loved him or the parts that would love him. He loved the world so much that he gave his son. He was willing to make a real sacrifice to build real relationships with us. His love is amazing. So whoever, his unconditional love, his acceptance, love was risky, that whoever would believe with the risk that love might be rejected, that it may even be crucified by the people that were, he was trying to help. But ultimately, we see the story is that love prevails. Love 
wins. What does love look like here at the Gateway Church? I believe that as we embrace the true love of God, what God has for us as individuals and then collectively, that we realize, number one, that we are in deep need of His help. We need the love of God. We don't deserve it, but we need it desperately. How many would say that's true in your life? But then we get together to meet Jesus, to love Jesus, to encourage one another. And all of a sudden, what we notice, what we see, is that there's a start to change. One area in our life at a time becomes transformed. And one day we wake up and realize and we're saying, man, our marriage is working. Wow. Or our kids actually like us back. Or we talk nicer to people now than we did before. Or we get mad less often. Or we cannot take, of course, we can't take credit because what happened is we've just fallen in love with Jesus and God, He does the hard part in our lives. He's the one that's doing the work when we fall in love with Him. This series has all been about building a foundation of who God is. And I want us to leave today not saying, okay, we close that chapter uh, in the life of the church. Now we've got it. No, it's a starting point. It's a springboard into our futures as individuals. Where do we go from here? We said earlier that Sunday mornings are great, but we need more than Sunday mornings. And I want to invite you to join us as we keep the conversation going on Wednesday nights. And this is a shameless plug to encourage you to be a part of our Wednesday night connecting point called Crazy Love. We picked a book called Crazy Love. It's by Francis Chan. And it's a book that talks about God's relentless love for us. He pursues us with passion. He never gives up. And then it talks about our response to that. And really, where we have been is really the first couple chapters. And then from there, it springboards into how we can continue to grow, how we can continue to deepen our love for the Lord. This is uh, what Francis Chan says. He says, what do you suppose an appropriate response to uh, God's love would look like? Should you do a bunch of good things so you can pay him back? Should you try to stay out of trouble so he doesn't have to worry about you anymore? Should you, or should you continue to pursue his love and allow it to transform you and everyone you come in contact with? And he's talking about this study. He says, this study is meant to make you think through God's intense, relentless love and how that love should transform every aspect of your being. The thoughts and questions addressed, which we will do on Wednesday nights, and it's just a powerful way to do it. It says it will help you examine your life and take important steps toward pursuing God. Crazy love, living crazy love is about growing in your wholehearted devotion to God. And we want to invite you to come out. 
It's not too late. Last week, we started our connecting point. It was kind of an introduction. This week, before you come on Wednesday, the goal is to read chapter one. You say, man, I don't have the book. I can order it today or I can pick up a copy today. Great. If you don't get a time to read the first chapter, still come. You will benefit from the conversation. It will change your life. We are believing that God is going to continue to take what we have talked about with these, this attribute series and to really put some extra bricks on the foundation and begin to build what God would want us to live, how God would want us to live in our lives as believers. My prayer is that we would continue as individuals and as a church together to comprehend, to try to comprehend the incomprehensible God and to have ways to flush that out in our lives. See, I believe that the Christian life is as simple and as difficult as what 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says. And we read it at the beginning uh, of the message. And Brendan, I'm going to ask that you'd come at this time. Look what it says. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. That wraps it up. What God is. God is love. And so we know and rely on that love that he has for us. Whoever lives in love loves, lives in God and God in him. And the fact of many of our lives, we get so busy, we get caught up with life, we get caught up with where we've been or where we think we're going. And it's so easy to forget that God is looking for a personal, intimate relationship. He is desiring to meet you. God's love, you can meet him in the person of Jesus Christ. And we want to help you, not only this morning, but in every step of your journey to know more of God's love, that there would be a revelation of God's love, that you would choose his love and choose to love one another choose to be unselfish choose to be more unconditional in your love and I believe that's what God wants God that's what God wants for me and what he wants for you to walk out in your everyday I'm going to ask that you would just close your eyes here for a moment I'm going to ask the Lord Lord what are you speaking to me this morning response to your love. Holy Spirit, what are you saying this morning to the single women that are here? To the married man that's here? To the teenage son or daughter? To the grandma or grandpa? God, what are you saying in response to your love? Lord, speak in these moments. 
transform us. Lord, help us, God. And I believe as the Lord is speaking this morning with every head bowed and eyes closed, I believe it's very possible that he's drawing someone to himself. That you don't, you found yourself here and you do not know the love of God. You've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. Or maybe you served God at one time, but today if the reality was shown, you are far away from God. This morning, don't leave here without getting your heart and your your life right with the Lord. If you're here this morning, you say, that's where I am today. I need Jesus in my life. Would you just be honest this morning and slip up your hand right where you are? Yeah, thank you, brother. Who else this morning would say, boy, that's where I am. I need the love of God to save me. To save me. Anyone else? Brother, we're going to talk here in just a second, okay? I won't embarrass you, but I want to talk with you. The second part is not only to embrace salvation, which I know the lion's share of us have, but then to pursue love, to pursue God in a more personal, in a more intimate fashion. My guess is there's probably no one here that would say, boy, I'm satisfied with where my relationship with the Lord is. We have room to grow. We all do. And God wants us to deepen our understanding and our response to love. That comes from a revelation of his love. That it's a choice, that it's unselfish, that it's unconditional to embrace that in our lives. God wants to make that clear in your hearts and in your lives today. And he wants us to walk away challenge. Not only, I believe, to plug in and to walk with a group of people to say, hey, let's, uh, let's see God move in our lives. Let's see God uh, change our hearts and our lives and maybe go through a book like Crazy Love. But to just walk out our every day in our interaction with our kids, with our families, at work, at school, this morning, I'm going to just ask just you to be very bold. If you're saying you want to grow in love, in your love for the Lord, would you just be honest and stand with us this morning and just do that right now? If you're saying, boy, that's where I am. I want to grow in my love for the Lord to pursue love. Saying, Lord, help me to know you. Just stand right where you are. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That's where it becomes.
becomes more difficult. There's things along the way that will be roadblocks, speed bumps. Our car might die and just chug out, run out of gas, saying, man, I don't have the strength to do this. In church, we need the strength of our Lord to inject into us his love in a way that we've never experienced before. And I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask that you would close your eyes, and if you're comfortable, I want you just to lift your hands to the Lord, and I want you to uh, kind of make yourself kind of like a cup. Um, If you can imagine your body being the stem, and then your arms kind of reaching out, like where God could kind of fill you up in in a certain way. He wants to fill you with his love. And I want to pray a prayer over you this morning. A prayer that it's not the, there's nothing magical about it, but I want you to receive it as truth in your life. And then to have confidence that you can walk out what we're talking about this morning. Lord, as we are here this morning, We declare together that we are your children and that we are in desperate need of your love to be real. Show yourself real to us in our lives. Take away any barriers, any walls that have been built up. God, break down the walls in our lives so we can Embrace your love more fully. God, we thank you for who you are and how you give us that love. It's your choice, God. You chose to do it. And it's certainly unselfish and it's unconditional. God, I believe there are some here that need to receive that unconditional love, that unconditional forgiveness. Lord, that you would Pour yourself out into these here this morning. Your love. And now, God, as they've stood, as we stand together, we're saying, God, we want to be full of your love, to see your love in our everyday. God, I pray that you would just help us where the rubber meets the road, As we walk out of here, there will be things that will come against us that will try to get us down. But Lord, we just receive your love this morning. Father, pour out your love, your unconditional love for us today. Lord, we receive it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Just begin to thank the Lord for his love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for the challenge, God. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness, God. That your love wins in our lives. Lord, we thank you, God, for your move. Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for making love more real today. Help us to walk in your love. In Jesus' name.